happy Sabbath and a very warm welcome to you, my dear listener, from wherever you are listening from. The cookies are scrambled and we get back yet again. And this is the New Life Program. Coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi, this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. We have a great show lined up for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Nixon Ratemo. We are more than glad to have you on board. On the show today, the Bible in Living Sound returns with the Bible story, and we'll be focusing on In the Upper Room. Later on, Ian Muse will join us during the Bible segment with the topic, The Free Gift. But before we proceed any further, here are Hosanna Melody Singers coming to us with a song, Come Unto Me. Sit tight, enjoy, and be blessed. Well, be a scarlet. Come, no. 
Listener, that was Come Unto Me by Hosanna Melody Singers. And now, the Bible in Living Sound brings us a Bible story in the upper room. Stay tuned and be on the know. Don't forget that you are listening to the New Life Program. Coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi, this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Jesus, our master, our friend, our teacher for these many months, we've eaten with him, walked with him, we've learned to love him, and we know he loves us with unspeakable, unfathomable love, and now he has ascended to heaven. Mary, tell me again just what the angel said to you at the tomb. He said, go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. He mentioned my name? Yes. After I betrayed him? He warned me that I would betray him. But I was so sure of myself. I swore I would never betray him. I did. I did. Oh, what I wouldn't give to live that night over again. I hope I never hear a cock crow again. You what, Peter? Oh, forgive me. I guess I was thinking out loud. But I said I hoped I would never hear a cock crow again because it will always remind me of that terrible evening when I claimed I didn't know Jesus. That was bad, Peter. But then I'm sure each of us has disappointed Jesus at one time or another. Mary, are you sure the angel mentioned me by name? I'm sure, Peter. Ask Salome. She heard it, too. Tell his disciples and Peter. Peter, I know you feel badly about your denial of Jesus, but we all have denied him one way or another. And you have proof that Jesus did forgive you. Now we must get on with the important business that Jesus left us. What do you mean, John? Well, we know Jesus loves everybody, that he died on the cross to save everyone. We can speak with authority because we have seen him. We've seen him crucified. We have seen him ascend into heaven, but... What about those who have not seen, or will not see? Our master died for them, too. Ah, that is our duty, to teach all nations and peoples to believe on Jesus. It's a great responsibility. Yet a happy one, too, and an impossible one by ourselves. But the master promised to send a comforter to help us. I, I wonder exactly what he meant by a comforter. I do not know. I doubt if any of us do or will until the time comes and the comforter is revealed to us. In the meantime, why stand we here? Let us go to our headquarters in the upper room and sing our praises to him who died for us. We also have much careful planning to do. 
Remember, we no longer have the master here to tell us what to do and when to do it. Look, we're passing the garden at Gethsemane. I hate to think of how I slept there while Jesus prayed. Don't even mention that. I never want to think of it again. And yet, we should think about how we failed, Jesus. It will help keep us humble. You're right. We must never forget how weak we are in our own strength. Nor how forgiving Jesus was and is. And how kind. I remember when I once asked him to show us the Father. He didn't scold. He just said rather sadly, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. You know, now that I think back to that day, Jesus promised then to send us a comforter. Remember? Yes. Yes, he did. He was trying even then to prepare us for his leaving. And only now are we beginning to realize how thoughtful and kind Jesus always was. Yes, always so kind. Even when I said I wouldn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead unless I could put my finger into the nail prints on his hands, he didn't scold. He just said, reach here your finger. Just think, Thomas. It was hard for you to believe he had risen. Now we must make others who have never seen Jesus understand how he is risen from the dead so that they too may live. And how can we do that without the Savior's counsel? We can't. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus promised us help? Help? Don't you remember? He said the Comforter shall teach you all things. Just one more instance of Jesus' love for us. He knew how we would miss him and need him, so he promised us comfort and help. Without the Savior's personal direction and help, we're going to be... you see what I see coming through the city gate? Well, yes. The disciples of Jesus of Nazareth. They're probably... Well, that's rather odd, don't you think? Odd? There are 11 of them. What's odd about that? Well, having lost their master on the cross, they should be sorrowful, downhearted, and confused. But look, they seem glad and triumphant. It could be, you know, that the report is true. The report? That their master, Jesus of Nazareth, is risen from the dead. You don't believe that, do you? I'm inclined to, yes. No longer is it necessary to lock the door. Certainly none of us any longer fears what Caiaphas or any power on earth can do to us. You're right, of course, Matthew. I'll open the door. I suppose now we should make definite plans regarding the best way to carry the good news of Jesus' resurrection to people everywhere. Yes. Have you noticed that we all seem to be agreeing lately? There doesn't seem to be the usual dissension among us. Perhaps at last we're beginning to think of Jesus first and of ourselves merely as his agents. For the important task ahead of us, we, we will need all the help and counsel we can get. Shall we pray? Our Father, which art in heaven. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Are you just joining us? This is the New Life Program with me, Nixon Ratemo, your host, coming to you live from Adventist World Radio, The Voice of Hope. It's always a pleasure to have you on board. You haven't missed a lot. The Bible segment will be coming up shortly. If you wish to drop in any comments, suggestions, or even ask questions, do so by writing to the producer. 
Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276 code 00100-Nairobi-at-eku.adventist.org. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Don't 
doesn't even feel worthy to approach the front of the temple. Instead, he stands back and cowers before the altar. His feelings of guilt and shame cause him to bow his head and beat on his breast, a sign of repentance, a genuine display of his sorrow for sin. He pleads to God to be merciful on him, a lowly sinner. Where the Pharisee has so much to offer God, the publican has nothing good to offer. Thus, also unlike the Pharisee, he is appealing solely to God's mercy. Here's the point. According to Christ, the one who went home justified that day was the revealed tax collector, which means the respected Pharisee did not. Even though he was paying his tithe, fasting twice a week, and most likely living an exemplary religious life of obedience. Luke's parable is extremely important, and it is big. How did the tax collector ob obtain justification? By his own admission, we know he didn't earn it. He also didn't say, Lord, I'm a sinner, but look at all the good things I've done. No, he simply asked for mercy. Nor did he make any demands like, Lord, I'm a sinner, now give me mercy. It took faith for him to ask for God's mercy because he has no tangible evidence that he'll have it. Grace must be asked for and received in faith. At the end of this parable, Christ promised that for everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. The tax collector smites his breast, repents, even humbly bows his eyes because he's too ashamed to look up to heaven. So according to Jesus, if we come to God humbling ourselves, truly repenting of our sinful deeds, confessing our sinfulness, and pleading for his mercy, we will go home from the house of God justified. That's good news. That means if you, whoever you are and with whatever sins you carry today, do what this publican did. You can rest assured that before God, Christ's character is accounted to you. You are forgiven. You have been given the gift. Is that complicated? Acts chapter 18 verse 18 to 20 tells a very interesting story that has a lot of insight regarding justification. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast doubt that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Peter is addressing a man named Simon, who appears to be some kind of sorcerer for hire. He witnessed Peter and Philip laying hands on the people of Samaria. As the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and miracles occurred, Simon thought, Wow! Just think how my business will profit if I had the power. So Simon offered them money, hoping that they could sell the power of the Holy Spirit to him. Peter's response was quick and to the point, even harsh. His response basically boils down to saying, To heads with your request. For Peter, it was outrageous to think that the gift of God could be purchased for money. Yet many people believe and insist that salvation can be earned the same way, by purchase. This theology is not any different than what Simon tried to do. Even though the Bible has such a severe response to those claiming they can pay for what God gives. What has been paid for our freedom from Satan's bondage? The blood of Christ. Do you think offering money to God, who gave the life of his only son, makes much sense at all? Might it be insulting to God to be paid for the gift he has offered freely to you? Christ paid your debt because you couldn't pay it. How silly then would it be to give God money? 
or works to obtain your salvation in light of the work Christ already did on your behalf? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 confirms, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We also learn of the two thieves, one hanging on Jesus' right side, the other on his left side, who are guilty of the same sins. They are both guilty of sedition against their government, perhaps even of murder, and to support the activities they stole. The interesting thing is that even though they have identical records as sinners, one is saved and one is lost by the end of the story. They also find themselves in the same helpless position, unable to do anything to save themselves from the suffering and death. Neither one has anything to offer to secure the liberation from the cross on which they hung. God bless you abundantly. Thank you, listener, for your time. I was your presenter, Ian Musa. Thank you so much for staying tuned throughout the show. It is always a pleasure to have you with us. Remember that your feedback is very valuable. You can send them in through the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100-Nairobi, Kenya, that this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Until we meet again, right here, I've been your host, Nixon Ratemo. Have a blessed, happy Sabbath.
Say the tender voice of the Lord. 